Good, let me wish a happy Mother's Day to all you moms who've gathered with us today, and some of you have brought your children. Some of you, like me, have brought your moms. And I have a sister here with me today as well. We've got some people who recently returned home, like Roy. He's been away for a while, and Darlene was hospitalized a little bit. She's back with us today, and so we're glad to have each and every one one of you. Some are back from vacations, and that's that's great as well. Some are just going on vacation. Uh, mentioning my sister and her husband, they've been here twice now, last week and the week before. One more week, and I'm going to give them um, tithing envelopes and membership forms. <laughs> Seems to be the way that I want to run things, you know. See how well it works. You've got to try it on your own first, and then you try it on others after. Uh, we still will have our coffee time downstairs this morning afterwards. We know that a lot of people have reservations and special plans, and that's wonderful. We're glad that you do, and we're glad you have family that's here for you to be a part of that, that today. But we realize that in a world where sometimes our children live... Uh, here and there and other parts of the world, it would be the proper thing to enjoy some fellowship together today, especially for those who uh, the church family really is their source of fellowship. And so we certainly cordially invite you to be a part of a, a time of fellowship downstairs and have a cup of coffee and whatever's prepared. We're glad to welcome uh, Bonnie on board uh, to care for some of our our social things, John and uh, Diane are away on vacation. They have served this congregation so faithfully for so many years, and I'll say more to thank them when they return. And uh, they recently asked for a retirement, and it's not an early retirement. It's after a long-standing career as uh, the, the directors of our coffee time. So they've been knocking on the door and saying, it's time for us to move aside, and Bonnie is, as uh, I don't know how well she's going to get Wade involved in this, but we, we know we've got Bonnie for sure. We'll check on we'll check on Wade's progress in the near future. We're glad to have her assist us in this kind of manner. So she'll be calling you up from time to time for things, and so please be cooperative with her. And I'll I'll get out the baking sheet and put some things on too. Now this morning. This morning being such a special day, when a mother speaks. And uh, this is a time of year when we, we honor the influence and example. We honor the love and the sacrifice that encourages the highest ideals of motherhood and parenthood. And this is a time when the major changes and challenges in the family have seriously affected the celebration of Mother's Day. The tradition that we mentioned today is somewhat un under attack. And as we gather here, a small war has been waged in the past few days and weeks, pitting the traditional celebration of Mother's Day against values that say inclusivity, diversity, and sensitivity should shuttle this and other annual public celebrations to the dustbin of history after 109 years of existence, that's how long Mother's Day has been around. 
103 years since Woodrow Wilson made it legislatively observable in the United States. Now, on a personal level, I think the entire, the entire telephone network system of North America would collapse without this day. The phone system that we currently have is built for a spike of 37 times the normal usage on Mother's Day. Compared to about normal on Father's Day, I think. Cancel this, this kind of day, and I think our systems of communications will erode, and it's no time at all before we regress and we're back to Morse code and telegraph. And so mothers have struck a huge blow. Father's Day is a little different. More collect calls on Father's Day than any other time of year. <laughs> I know that I'm twisting an old Spanish proverb a little bit, and it's already on your screen. When I say I believe that an ounce of mother is worth a ton of pastor. Not that I hope you're measuring me in tons. But I hope that you realize it's no compliment when we're told that you have a face that only a mother could love. And some of us must really wonder what our mothers saw in us to stick with us during our growing up years. We've made our mother's lives so miserable at times. David Finkelstein recounts how the mother of three notoriously unruly youngsters was asked whether she'd have children or not if she'd had, had to do it all, all over again. And she said, yes, I'd have children, but not the same ones. <laughs> I want us to turn to something that's more biblical this morning. A well-known episode in the life of Daniel. I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 5 in a moment. The same Daniel who was tossed into the lion's den and lived to tell, tell about it. Something from our Sunday school days. He is the Daniel who was wrested from his family, notably this morning his mother, at a very young age when the Babylonians besieged Jerusalem and earmarked some of its youngest, brightest minds to serve in the Babylonian court. By the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, this man has been shuttled to the background of national political life, and he's all but forgotten among the current generation of movers and shakers. The man that we remember as telling Nebuchadnezzar his forgotten dream, and also providing the interpretation of that dream, is living in obscurity by the time we get to chapter 5, and a new regime is governed by Nebuchadnezzar's son, whose name is Belshazzar who once in a while, Belshazzar likes to, to liven up the court life with a party. And here's how chapter 5 begins in verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his special powers of insight, and made her case when they were all silent and without any opinion whatsoever. And for me, it took an immense amount of courage for a woman to come into a place like that, enter, 
and began to speak. She was a woman of courage. Secondly, she was a, a woman of calm. I see, can see people shifting uncertainly, nervous eyes going back and forth. It wasn't uncommon for kings to execute those failed paragons of wisdom when they lacked the power to understand what the, how to solve a, a dilemma. In fact, if you check the record, and Daniel's interpretation of the dream for, for Nebuchadnezzar actually saved all of the wise men and the enchanters and the soothsayers of Babylon from death when he told the king both his dream and the, inter, and the interpretation of it because they were all under a death order if somebody couldn't tell them what it meant. Now here, the queen mother tries to calm the king down. Says, conquer your fear. Regain your color a little bit. She'd reached the age in life when national emergencies did not constitute personal meltdowns. How important an ability is that? When what goes on inside of our society doesn't create a meltdown in our own lives. She stood her ground because there was something inside of her that told her there was an answer to be found here. I read a tribute one guy wrote about his mom in the past, past week. And she said that in or, he said that in order to make ends meet, his mother herded cattle. She became a cow puncher. The old bull on the ranch didn't like her. And whenever there was a confrontation, the bull backed down. She stood her ground calmly, and her, sons, her son said that perhaps it was because she carried a 12-gauge shotgun, <laughs> just in case she might, she, might, she might need it. Now, let me tell you, let me, a moment of confession here. I would have had nightmares, but I would have been a better boy if I thought my mother knew how to use a gun. Thirdly, about this mother, she had courage, she was calm, and she gave wise counsel. She just didn't stand there in solidarity with the rest of the immobilized, half-drunk idiots by this time. She had something to say. And from her memory of another crisis, here's where experience pays. From her memory of a crisis came an instruction that there was someone in her memory from the Babylonian Empire who had a special ability to interpret the writing. He served in a former administration. And in fact, he had been placed above all of those who thought that they were wise. She summed it up well, that when all else failed and everybody else couldn't manage a decent answer, this man had only just begun. And so she, take, she takes a situation that is bad, a dark moment, and she shines a ray of light here. And if you read to the end of the story, this is not going to end well for Belshazzar and his party animals. And the truth about life is, it never does. It doesn't end well with those who play fast and loose with the things that God has given us. When you take the sacred vessels of the temple and you openly profane them, when you take what God has designed to be blessed and to be holy and you profane it, it won't end well if there's no repentance. Cyrus was already outside the walls 
The words on the wall were being put into action even before they were interpreted. And when I look back, I'm thankful for a father who sometimes used to say, and your father said it to you too, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Dad, you say, I can read you like a book. But it was my mother who already read the book and was ready to apply the lesson. Sometimes in, a, in an unusual fashion. She had courage, she was calm, she gave wise counsel, and fourthly, she was a portrait of confidence. She wasn't just groping in the dark for a possibility. She was convinced. And her directive is filled with principles of faith. She wasn't hopeful. She was positive about something. She told Belshazzar that she had seen this Daniel character in action, and if he wanted to be rescued from his darkness and brought into the light, then he'd better call for Daniel to take a peek, and the words that made his knees knock might just get some reality attached to them. Most people wouldn't mess with a half-drunken king. But like the woman with the shotgun punching cattle, she told him where to go, and maybe to his credit, he went there. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, who's, many of whose sermons some of you have read, and some of those I've read as well, he was a famous expositor, had four sons, and they were all preachers. And someone once came into their drawing room when all the family was there, and they thought they would see what Howard, one of the sons, was made of, so they asked him a question. You know what's coming. Howard, who's the greatest preacher in your family? Howard had a great admiration for his father, but he looked straight across at him, and then without a moment's interest, while looking into his father's eyes, he answered, Mother. And so it's true in many families. You see, motherhood demands that kind of leadership and more so in the environment we live in today. We live in a day, a day of noted father absenteeism. Let's not kid ourselves about that. Whether it occurs by death or divorce or detachment or desertion, and I know all of those things are a part of life, the number of mother-led homes in our province and in our country has risen dramatically in recent de decades. According to the 2011 census, which is the most recent one we have, more than one quarter of all families in Canada, 3.7 million homes, actually I believe it's 3.76, are headed by one parent, and the vast, the vast, vast majority of these are women. That means that a lot of extra demands are laid upon mothers. In fact, 53.6% of people in Canada over age 15 were unmarried in 2011. What it does in marks a growing trend of married people being outnumbered by unmarried people in our census. It never was like that in the past, but it's becoming increasingly like it. Mothers and women in general will continue to bear a heavier load, especially as it relates to family. 
Mother's Day is traditionally a time to give moms a pat on the back. But most of us can remember that mom used to apply her pats a little lower and a little harder. When we challenged her authority or broke her sense of fair, fair, fair play, and rightly so, I never got nearly enough lickings. I deserved far more than I got. And the severity of them seems like nothing now that I look back on them today. Mothers are God's special gift to the human family. We can't overstate that. I'd rather end today by encouraging mothers that if you're going to be the kind of, of women that your children need, need today, then you will need to ask God to develop those kinds of traits that I just talked about in you. And strangely enough, to have courage and to be calm and to offer wise counsel and to live with confidence are important whether you have kids or not. If you have a husband or if you're think, thinking about getting one, you better have all of those things and more. You need to be blessed and you need to be armed against all of these questions of uncertainty. Dr. Joseph Parker once said that when Robert Moffat was added to the kingdom of God, a whole continent was added with him. And Robert Moffat, who looks like somebody from Duck Dynasty in our era, was really quite in style in his time. But he became one of the greatest missionaries who ever lived. And a mother's kiss did it, according to what he said. He was leaving home, and his mother was going with him part of, part of the way. Now, I know that doesn't seem like a normal kind of thing today, does it? Your mother chases you to the bus station or gets in your car with you and takes you, takes you off to college or goes too far. That would not be cool in today's, in today's environment. So at last, she could walk no further because he's walking away from home, and she stopped and said, Robert, promise me something. And he said, what? She said, promise me something. And he said, you will have to tell me before I will promise. She said, it's something you can easily do. Promise me, promise your mother before I tell you what it is. And he looked into her face and said, okay, mom, I'll do anything you wish. Dangerous. She clasped her hands behind his head and pulled his face down to hers and said, Robert, you are going into a wicked world. Begin every day with God. Close every day with God. Great line. A mother to a son, just as applicable mother to a daughter. Begin every day with God. Close every day with God. Then she kissed him. And Robert Moffat said it was that kiss that made him a missionary. I'm sure that he just uses that as a point. When spending his mornings and his evenings with God turned him into the person that he became. The role of a mother in our society is too important for us to un understate it and too important for us to neglect it. The modern demands of motherhood have multiplied. 
and every mother needs divine resources. It's your day, ladies, the one that's dedicated on the calendar to you. I want you to enjoy it, and I want us to celebrate with you and say thank you for all of the things that motherhood entails. And as a final act this morning, before we go have some fellowship, fellowship together, would you stand with me? And if there's a mother next to you, why not lay a hand on her shoulder? It could be your wife, it could be your daughter, it could be your daughter-in-law, but someone who is close to you now. Just reach out a hand to them. That's the way. Just watch and see what the treatment Nancy is getting there, and you'll get the impression. I just want to take a moment in this service. Every single person here who's a mom should have someone close to them at this moment. And if it's two moms together, then reach out for each other. I just want to pray that God will bless you. We honor you on this day at this church, and we pray for your continued success. Father, thank you for the blessings that you have poured into our lives. It is you who designed the human family. It is you who designed a home to be a place of nurture, a place where God is honored, a place where roles develop, and a place where children are developed as well. And so, Lord, I, I bring to you today all of those among us, all of those who has, have a wonderful memory of a, a mother, for those whose mothers are already departed from this world, I pray that they will receive your measure of comfort today. Perhaps there are those here who last year their mother was alive. I pray that they'll receive, they'll receive your, your special touch at this moment, your encouragement. And so, Father, it's in honor of what you have done to create us in inside of the kind of social groupings that you have that we pray for we pray for motherhood in our world we know that the social landscape is often very bleak the things that threaten our children are many so we pray in this little church in Cornerbrook Newfoundland today that you'd stretch forth your hand to every mother who feels a human touch today everyone who is in this, in this service. I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would bless them. And may the things that mark this ancient mother of ba Babylon, when she spoke, in a, she spoke in a moment of crisis, when she spoke so, so confidently and so calmly, gave such wise counsel and showed such courage, I pray that those will be the, the kind of hallmarks that mark the lives of our mothers. And I pray for those who stand with them today. I pray for those who support this role of motherhood inside of homes. I pray that they will be blessed. And may every mom today know that they are appreciated and loved. We give you them today, Lord, and ask that you would bathe them in your strength in your courage. And may the children that are produced from homes, especially where dads are absent, I pray that these homes will be blessed by you and that mother who carries a heavier load 
will be equipped. And I pray that you will honor their efforts. Help us today, Lord, to to support each other through difficult moments, that this church may have a ministry to those who find life tough. And so we ask your richest blessing on those who are named in your presence and pray that as we enjoy fellowship today that our heart will be cheered and that the fellowship that the church family enjoys enjoys together will be blessed by you as other members of families go to be with loved ones today i pray that their fellowship will be blessed as well and that together we will be good servants of jesus christ honoring the kind of things that you've put in place so long, long ago. Pray that your word will be taken in our hearts today and pondered so that it might become profitable for our instruction, for our growth. We ask these mercies now in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. I even see some people getting kissed. That's not a bad thing in church either.